Your views, your news, your Limerick Today. Limerick Today. Limerick Today with Anne-Marie Garrity. In for Joe Nash. You're welcome back and we have our TV panel for this morning in studio with me, uh, Alison, Trevor and Ashleen. You're on the other side of the wall there. Yes, I'm here. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. Good. Um, so, Trevor, I'm going to go to you first because I know you have young kids like myself. Do I? You do. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you know you have them anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, the, this idea of your school contacts you has done the survey. Listen, Trev, most of, you know, the parents agree we'll have to ban the phones from, you know, kids up to the age of 12. This includes at home and in school, obviously. They're not allowed them in school, as far as I know, but well, at home as well. Yeah. Um, how, how, are you, how are you going to police that? That's a great idea. Uh, I thought it was originally banned them in, in school, and then I went, well, they shouldn't have them in school. So, me, yeah. And then the more you, you read about it... Um, I'm not at that age yet, but uh, I mean, my kids are not at that age, but <laughs> one of them is coming up very quickly to that age. Mm. And it's not like they don't uh, access or, or look at stuff on phones already and screens and tablets and etc. Um, I, I just think it's going to be very hard to police it in school. Okay. At yeah, home. I think it's a voluntary thing as well. Yeah. They're saying support it. They're not saying, look, we're banning them and you have to do it. Yeah. Would you support it? I... I can see the arguments for it. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just a, a bit um, concerned about how you would actually enforce it. So, you, what are you going to do? So, I would say, right, you can't watch uh, a phone at home. Um, what, what age? What age? When you're nine, ten, eleven, twelve? No, no. So, you'd use it for the child to watch something on the the phone. A, dev, a dev, you'd use it like a device uh, to device. play something, as opposed to making phone calls, taking photos, and publishing stuff online. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, okay. Yeah. Absolutely. That's what you're saying. Yes. That's yeah. what I, that would be my. Yeah. Um, my issue is, uh, hello, dear daughter. Uh, the school has now said we, you know, we support it, and most most of the parents support it, and now give it back to me, love. I think. Presumably the issues with social media, though, I don't think the major problem would be having a physical phone. I mean, I, I think a lot of parents would feel more comfortable if they were able to contact their children and things like that. If something happened and they wanted the child needed to ring their parents, not necessarily from school. I, I agree that there shouldn't be phones in school, but um, I think it should be more focused on social media because surely that's where parents would panic, you know, if their children are putting things up and especially at primary age they just there's no need for a child to be on social media well, this is the issue they're they're concerned about the access the exposure to to violent contexts you know sexual content cyberbullying that can go on so the ability to do all of this on a smart device for an 8 or 9 year old having this in their hand that like that is troubling extremely yeah i think when i was in school when i was in primary school that's when kind of social media for me anyway kind of came into the sphere and it was instagram and snapchat mainly and i was 11 and 12 when that kind of started and um looking back it didn't cause major problems but i think i mean none of those photos or anything that were put up back then are still there there's no need it's not something that you want not that they were bad or anything but pictures that a child is putting up it's it's just 
silly. It's things that don't need to be published. Yeah, online. a lot of the stuff you know, is harmless. They yeah. just want them for fun. What about you, um, Ashley? Yeah, I have conflicting feelings about it. Like I got my first phone, and I think I was about eleven, but it was because it was from the country. I think a lot of country kids are the same. Like I just go up the fields wandering, and my dad was like, "I want her to have an ability to like text or call if if something goes wrong." Yeah. Um, but I I didn't have any access to social media, and my little brother then is nine years younger than me, and I'm so against him having any access to social media, even though like obviously I think be real is new. With, he's in first year now and I see Snapchat be real they're kind of the two main ones but um, I'm just against it because you have a digital footprint forever do you know what I mean and and I don't think like again it was harmless and the same as Alison I don't think there's anything that any of us did as a teenager that like we we don't want online but at the same time um, I also think it's a minefield because you know you could ban your child having social media use you could have them completely protected but then it just takes one child who is given the smartphone to show them that material so I, I just think it's it's impossible to, to police. It is, and there is the upsides to having the device. There's the downsides of what the ability of what they can access and what they can do. I suppose in my case, the 10-year-old has the phone for the reasons of I'm going up to Johnny or Mary's house. Bring the phone with you, love. I'll call you when your dinner's ready. <laughs> Simple as that or whatever. Um, but I have rules you do not access certain things. You do not go online. You do not do A, B and C. I check the phone whenever I want to check the phone. Do not try and delete anything. I'll find out, is what I've told her. And um, the minute you break the rules, the phone's taken off you. And touching wood and so far so good. Um, one or two rules broken, phone taken for a while, phone given back. But is it down to the parents then, Trev, to enforce what you want and police what you want to your child? Are, are we not responsible as parents? We are. Um, what you've outlined there seems pretty straightforward. And obviously your child seems to be okay with the, the ground rules. Uh, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> obviously as they get it's, older yeah. then, yeah, okay, as they get older. yeah. What, what, what age is the child? She's now 10. 10, okay. Just turned 10 in this case. I have all this coming down the track, so whatever yeah. I say now in a couple do of years' not time, come to me we'll, for we'll advice, Trevor. The, do I'm, that <laughs> will be will be gone out the window. Whatever I say now, but um, yeah, it, it, how how are you going to police it? So you either have no phones or some phones with, as you said, restricted use. Well, my understanding is, if you support this in the school, then you're telling your kids There's at home no, no phones, phones no smart devices, no smartphones. Basically, I, I I I can't see that working. I can't. Okay, we'll take a break. You're welcome back. We have Alison, Trevor and Ashleen with us this morning and we're going to talk a little bit about what you can watch on TV and Alison is uh, doing this one till, uh, I was going to say till death do us part, till murder do us part and it's on Netflix. Let's listen to this. That was hatred. Hatred, just anger. The victims were Derek Asim and his wife Nancy. Unter Tatverdacht nicht nur die Tochter des Paares, sondern auch deren Freund, ein deutscher Diplomatensohn, sein Name Jens Söring. The two of them were a horrible puzzle that fit together just right. My parents died because Jens and I were obsessed with each other. These were two lovers who had turned on each other. One day they said it was Elizabeth. She said, I killed my parents. The next day they said it was Jens. He said that he killed my parents. You lied. And then they switched back again. Your father didn't have any choice. Jens acted of his own free will. He had a choice. So, Alison, you're proficient in German then, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> Fluent, actually. Um, 
so yeah, it basically follows the story of this young couple. Um, they're in their first year of college and they, the daughter, um, Elizabeth, her parents are brutally, brutally murdered in their home in Virginia in the US. And it comes to light that it had to be one of one of the two of them. Um, um, but as you heard there, when they go to court, they keep switching their stories. You're not sure. One of them starts taking the blame, then blaming the other, and they both take blame together. Um, and it is just re- it's mind boggling. Um, and this just, is a true yeah, yeah, story. Yeah. And how did they do the documentary? Are they looking back on archive footage? Is that is that? The, yeah. And are they interviewing people connected to it? Yes, um, it's all the the police that were on the scene and the detectives. Um, you speak to some of their peers and their opinions on them and their relationship because, you know, they would have seen it um, firsthand. And it was quite a volatile relationship. Um, they were both extremely intelligent, really, really high IQs, and they both got scholarships into this university. Um, and they were both really, really manipulative, manipulative people. Um, so you really just don't know who's telling the truth. And it's it's a good watch. I'd recommend it. Very good. Okay, we're going to go to Ashleen next. Um, Ashleen, we're kind of sticking somewhat with the Beatles theme. Yes. <laughs> As you're a Beatles fan, I'm not surprised you're watching this one. And I'm definitely going to put this on my list. Uh, Wings, Wingspan. I mean, this farm Paul had bought in Scotland, he said, I know you won't like it, but let's go up there. It was sort of a, just get away and go back to the beginning. I believe definitely in going by your own instincts. We decided the only thing to do really was to boycott Apple, to just get out of there, not go to any of the meetings that were such a headache. Let's get out of there and um, come to Scotland. So we did. We took the kids, we took the dogs, took everything we had, put a guitar on the top of it and a potty for the baby. And uh, that was it. We just came up here and we just, newspapers eventually called us recluses. This is about uh, Paul and Linda McCartney. Ashleen, tell us more. Yeah, so it starts on when the Beatles broke up and basically what Paul McCartney did next. And uh, he met Linda towards the very end of the Beatles. And I suppose I was just putting the piece together last Friday in the Beatles chat, which I love doing, but um, I just fell down a rabbit hole again. Um, and I suppose Paul McCartney was someone I didn't know too much about. I knew Wings' work, but I never really knew how it came about. And it really comes apparent that Paul McCartney is born to be in a band. You know, the rest of the Beatles kind of pursued solo work. And he did do, uh, I think, two solo albums before Wings, but it just showed why he loved being in a band, why he loved collaborating. And it also focuses a lot on Linda and how much of an influence she had. And it's it's such a beautiful love story. Um, it's put together by Mary McCartney and she's the main interviewer, obviously their, their firstborn uh, daughter. But um, yeah, it's, it's a wonderful documentary and, and he comes across as a really genuine person. No, nothing about their problems. Not too much, no. Um, I suppose, I think it was made in around 2003, so it was just after Linda had obviously, I think, passed a couple of years beforehand. So it is very, I suppose, wrote into his glasses. He even said himself that he doesn't really remember any of the struggles. And I think Mary McCartney had to remind him a lot of, I, like, they moved to Scotland and he couldn't actually access any of the Beatles royalties at the time, which I think is crazy. You know, the wow. biggest band in the world. Yeah, because Apple Corporation was such a disaster and he wasn't engaging with them and he was leaving. And so he just set up 
up in Mullican Tire and they were living fairly rough <laughs> life, you know, just in a, in a yard or whatever, in a very basic life. And obviously the accident had great travels to Africa, but it's it's crazy to think at that time, like one of the biggest musicians in the world was just living this rural, isolated life. You're um, attracted to the Beatles like myself. And I was thinking about it when the last ever song was released last week. Uh, you're even younger than me. I mean, I don't think I was even born when John Lennon was shot. I, I, I don't remember it, obviously. I was that young if I was even born. You're younger than me again. What has attracted you to the I, Beatles and um, Paul McCartney's story? And has you watching all of these? Yeah, so I love music, obviously. But um, it was Killian Murphy put together this like playlist. And I love Killian Murphy, so I listened to it when I was like 15. And he had Mind Games by John Lennon in it. And I just absolutely fell in love with John Lennon. So it was John Lennon that I loved first. And then I kind of went back in the Beatles catalogue. And I, I mean, how could you not love them? I know um, Neve, one of my best friends, absolutely loves them as well. And she said it was through the set songs in school that she got introduced to them in the music curriculum. And it was the same for me. Um, yesterday was in our set songs and again, fell in love with them. And I, I, I listen to them honestly every day. I love them. So I could play any Beatles tune and you'll know it. Yeah, I, I'd reckon. <laughs> I put myself up for that challenge. Right. We'll have to do that some morning. That She's just accepted the challenge. Hello, Joe. This is what we're going to do when you get back. Okay, next it's to Trevor. And this is um, uh, a documentary on Muhammad Ali. Let's have a listen to this. He was larger than life. His magnetism just was amazing. Who is this guy? He was a revolutionary. He was a groundbreaker. Well, ain't nobody gonna stop me. Ken Burns catches an intimate story of victory, defeat, and determination. The price of freedom comes high. I have paid, but I am free. Muhammad Ali. There you go. Uh, Trev, tell me more. Um, it is uh, yeah the, the guy who did this very long documentary on um, the Vietnam War that was a 10 part that was a 10 hours this is about 7-8 episodes the same guy on Muhammad Ali's story and um, if you're a boxing fan you'll love it um, but it's it's much more than just about boxing because Muhammad Ali's story is much more than just about boxing and and there's a lot of social commentary on it as well he was banned he, for about three and a half years from boxing in, he, in his prime because his opposition to being drafted to the in the Vietnam War he refused to go he said he, he had no argument with the Viet Cong it had nothing to do with him <coughs> excuse me um, so they took away his license to box and then he came back and did box again and won titles but unfortunately classically way too many fights when he was well past his prime he still kept fighting even when people around him advised him please do not go back in the boxing ring he was probably addicted to the limelight and couldn't give it up and unfortunately after he was after he finished finally finished boxing he was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease so this man who was the most eloquent person of all time lost the power of speech uh, but even still then people would flock to him he's, he's, he was probably even more popular after he finished boxing than he, when he was boxing so it's about his boxing career but it's about his life and his uh, you know the social commentary and the 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 love that people had for this guy and uh, wasn't his last fight <coughs> in the 80s was it it was 1981 I think he was yeah. 39 he, Baba we were Babas <laughs> and Yet we know all this about. It's a bit like the Beatles. We know all yeah, this about yeah, Muhammad exactly. Ali, a figure. He he met the Beatles in 1964, and they were they, these were these four guys coming off to America, and then the, this was this guy who was just about to be crowned world heavyweight champion. So it was it was like a clash of two, well, four icons, if you like it, in terms of the Beatles and this guy as well. Yeah, um, 
but it's a it's very well told story. It's on uh, the TG Car player if you want to. If That's you want to catch what I was it. going to ask next, and I forgot to ask uh, Ashleen about that uh, documentary you were watching, Wingspan. Where did you find that? Uh, it's the full documentary on YouTube. It's about an hour and a half. Well worth a watch. Brilliant, lovely. That's great to know as well. So thank you very much, all three of you, for joining me this morning, Alison, Trevor, and Ashleen, our TV panel this morning. <laughs> Your views, your news, your Limerick Today. Limerick Today. Limerick Today with Anne-Marie Garrity. In for Joe Nash.